It's cracking lovely people, we're back, Big Feed Up HQ. We're in a very nice little recording studio that we've got today, so we've got some coffee and some water and we're ready to go. And I've got a fantastic guest on the pods, a chap called Kieran, and he is a, I'm going to get this right, a running blogger slash tech journalist. Um, if you if you see my story and things like that on Instagram as well, I talked a little bit about the amount of running this chap has done, and I don't know how he still has feet. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really cool to have him on the show and it's one of those things where he's got a lot of experience and definitely get over to his site. We'll talk about that later, but I suppose I'll let you introduce yourself, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to chat. It's a, a, a nice introduction. Um, I always find it pretty hard to explain exactly what I do, but I, I basically, I'm borderline kind of uh, crazy obsessed runner. I also test a lot of uh, health and fitness technology, mainly with the aim of trying to sort of improve my my running and learn more about how how my performance is working and shaping and seeing what what really works and what doesn't. So mm. yeah, and I suppose it's one of those things where I I found you through um, it was quite lucky really, wasn't it? Did yeah. we meet? Did we figure out that we met in Cortina or did we actually? meet in Nuffield and you had a Lavaredo top on because I'm sure I might have met you there I, I can't I'm really pr- remember I'm, I'm pretty sure just before I went into the second Lavaredo last year that we we bumped into each other at the, the North Face stand out mm. there and then obviously I was wearing my Lavaredo t-shirt in the in the gym and you you came over um the Lavaredo is obviously it's one of the races I've I've been to twice and not finished it twice it's, mm. it's that that's the big monkey on my back still um so yeah I will be going back hopefully in, in 2019 to have another crack at that. It's got to be done. But um, yeah, yeah, but those races, are, yeah, I'm doing the kind of shorter one, um, which goes on a Saturday morning. So your one went on a Friday. Yeah. And it was like an 11 p.m. start, wasn't it? It's and always then, strange. Oh right? God. And then, uh, but yeah, it'll be good. We I think we'll get into kind of like race prep yeah. and food and things like that. But it's just interesting that you go out and do these races but then obviously it'd be nice to hear about how you build up to something like that because 120k for most people listening to this that run a bit or um now that now that it's sunny you're going to get out and like start walking to work maybe four or five miles how did you get into wanting to run distance because now it is it is the trendy thing and every you know man woman child and their dog are like trying to run ultra marathons yeah but you've got a pedigree in this so I suppose you were kind of into it before it got yeah I mean I I, I sort of I fell into it really I you know I was a footballer for most of I guess from the age of sort of six up until about kind of 32 33 and I running was always a bit of football training that I absolutely hated you know <laughs> when when the when the coaches used to come out and say you know no balls tonight lads we're just going to be running you know <laughs> the hearts would drop and you'd want to go home but <laughs> After after a while, you know, you get a little bit older. Uh, I guess the football that you're playing might not be such a high level, mm. so we're kicking the ball in the sky around uh, Sunday league pitches. And then I I just signed up and I did a 10k, the British 10k, and it takes you around sort of some of the London's greatest sort of sites. And I found myself running past the House of Parliament on a Sunday morning, bright blue skies, as Big Ben was chiming mm. with a, with a crowd. And that 10k, my first ever race, and I'm like, this is a this is amazing. That was such a nice feeling, and I went straight back and signed up for a half. Did the Royal Parks half, finished that half, and thought, I don't know how anyone can ever do a marathon. That sounds crazy. You know, why would anyone go and do that distance again? 
but the very afternoon of that Sunday, I went back and I signed up for London. I didn't get in and eventually went to do Paris. Mm. Um, and that became my first marathon. And that was going to be it. Um, and I was actually standing outside of a bar in, in Paris with a few other runners. And I was done, you know, it's one marathon, tick that life box, you know, it's all done. And someone came over to me and said, do you know you can go faster? And that's, that appealed to my, I've got, you know, competitive edge. And that was it. I was, then I was back in, into that realm of sort of, can you, what can I do? How, and I, it was the first time I really started to think about running and how I performed and what I could do to improve. And then once that sort of little nugget sort of sits in the brain, then it's, it becomes quite addictive. Mm. Um, and I built from there basically, but it's, it's a, in all honesty, it's a slowly, 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 I think, you know, what, what is sort of difficult for some people, a mile was difficult for me at one point, and I, I still have this kind of saying where I think every goal is kind of equal. Mm. One person's 5K is another person's 150 miles, mm. and they all feel the same. It's all relative. Mm. I've got, yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, there's no easy miles, and it's like you go out and um, you do have to work on it. And, and that's what I like about you, what I've gone on your site, and there's, you know, there's fueling tips, there's... there's uh, fitness um and kind of gear and tech tips and things like that and you kind of you break it down to then be able to move those things in to help produce a bit of a result yeah and it's good and it take that i think that's what it takes because like you said people can go out and do the odd run but then where you are now with i think it was 30 marathons 50 half marathons eight ultras and one hundred miler yeah. Yes, got, yeah, it right. got it right. You know <laughs> those, <I> like <laughs> those, you know those things are at that level now, and it's nice for the listeners to hear you going from a 10k to doing all that. The other things do have to slot into place, and that and yeah. that's good because you're exploring it, and then it clearly works because you're still standing. You you know you, you work for a living. You're not you're not yeah. you, know, you know you're not funding it completely through running, so you can just kind of get up, run, phone roll, lie in a futon, eat, run again. Yeah, you know, I like wish. You ha- yeah. I wish. <laughs> well, you see some people now doing that, and then obviously these 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 co- well not coasty runners because they work hard, but it's um it is the little things. It's the little things, and it's nice. And then definitely people get over and, and look at look at some of your writing and things because I was looking at your uh, especially the nutrition yeah. this morning and the and the fueling. Tips. People are kind of really keen to know what to eat and how to eat, and I suppose is that if we if we dive into that because that's a bit more of my background. I'm I'm a huge fan of saying that for for a runner or someone who's who's active and doing a bit more long distance, you know, the gut is the most important organ. Yeah. So um yeah, you must have trained your gut over over years and tried loads of different stuff because isn't it part of your your kind of um, set up to, to try things and yeah. write about it and things. So some things might work, some things might not. Absolutely, you've got to you know you've, whether it's you know whether you whether you're doing a marathon distance or I think it becomes a little bit more important over ultras because the food can really make or break your race. But you've you've got to try things that are going, you're going to use in the race. But but I've also taken an approach where I look at what I'm eating to power my training to make sure that I can get the most out of my training and that I you know I stay healthy I don't get you know colds and flus as much or um when I'm when I'm going into the gym or I'm going to go and do my long run that I'm set up you know in a, in a good way and I have I've 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 done you know I've gone on that journey that, that a lot of runners will go on I I've, I've tried you know everything from eating you know one and a half pizzas the night before a race to carb load through the you know the pasta parties um I've tried all manner of different gels in races. I've, you know, and I guess over the years, I've, I've, there are things that I've adopted, and I've now developed my own, with a bit of help, I've developed my own kind of take on, on 
what works for me. Um, I think that's very important. You've got to find what works for you. Um, and not everyone will would be quite strict or would follow the, the approach that I follow. But I try as best as I can to make all the foods that I to, you know eat to support my training, you know, natural and and um, and healthy. You know, I guess mm. I. When I'm when I'm in really crazy mode, you know, I'll, I'll, this is a big confession. No, that's good. I will. I've, so I've just gone through a process of trying to train to do a sub three hour marathon, mm. and I've cut out in this in the sort of six months build up to that. I've I've dropped alcohol, sugar. Um, I won't have anything from dairy. Um, I drop kind of grains, and really, my diet consists of lots of really good uh, fats. I have good high quality source of protein as high quality as possible um, and lots of nutrient rich veg mm. and I support some of that with um, supplements mm. uh, you know zinc and magnesium things to help you sleep better mm. things to help me absorb absorb the nutrients better and mm. um, and the aim of that you know is really to help me build good strong muscle and drop body fat mm. uh, the premise being if I can if I'm lighter if I, there's less body fat more muscle equals more power and you know the physics of that over 26.2. If I'm carrying two and a half kilos less body fat, I'm going to be faster in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it just I, you know, it's interesting because I do it for a lot of the time. I've started doing it for the running, but I've adopted this now. It's it's become the way that I eat naturally. Mm. Um, a, lot no. of people, a lot of people say is that is it, it sounds very restrictive, and I I actually say it's the opposite. I've discovered so many more foods that I would never have eaten before. In terms of you know my range of sort of vegetables and dishes that I will cook, that has expanded actually mm. rather than sort of the go-to's. We'd go and have a tomato pasta or something. I've I've I'm discovering new foods off the back of it, and I I really enjoy it. Mm. And that's the interesting thing about it, and I think it's important, especially with the people that I work with as well, because they come in um, and we have a bit of a goal, or someone wants to change something like you you had there. You wanted to get lighter to obviously be more powerful run faster and that's good because you're actually you're trying to measure something yeah. and I and I find with working with people nutritionally or if they're doing some kind of running or something it's really good just to be like right this is where I'm at at the moment I'm going to change something and I'm going to measure it so in essence you wanted to run quicker you had a goal and you've moved a few things around nutritionally yeah. and then you can just reassess and it's one of those things where you can dip in and out but then the most important thing is you've built your nutritional toolbox because you said that in terms of in the kitchen or preparing foods or different meals, that's almost got better, yeah. which is nice because, yeah, there's a lot of people that kick back at the, oh, you know, why are you not alcohol, dairy, sugar? But then when you when you take some of those foods out and then you are left with real wholesome foods, you then have to be like, right, what am I going to eat on a daily basis? Yeah. And then the more I can, like, I'm a huge fan of this like simple supper um, kind of concept of having four or five dishes in your arsenal yeah. through the week to be able to cook and make and if you are just eating mostly vegetables and good forms of protein and fats then you have to be a little bit creative so it's just going to help long term yeah absolutely. as well so what have you kind of um, not discovered but what's what's been added because people you know it's good to have a practical application of things because we can talk about grams of this and you can go into some of the gels and the powders yeah. and the things you've tried but then really people need to eat every day that's the, and fuel themselves so what what have you what, and, uh, what are you up to and that's kind of the bedrock i guess you know this isn't one thing that again a lot of people say to me well you're just restricting it's it's not it's actually not i eat when i'm hungry i just eat things that are, that are you know that are the right kind of thing so what one massive change for me is breakfast right breakfast 
before would have been cereals or toast or, or croissant or whatever. And now I have lots of good fat. So I've, I'm, I now eat things that other people eat for lunch, for breakfast. I'll think nothing of having a salad for breakfast. Um, or, you know, smoked, smoked salmon, a bit of avocado. Um, you know, this morning I had a, what did I have? I had um, some smoked salmon, avocado, some nuts, a few olives. Um, some some artichokes, and just you know made made a quick little a little plate that I, that I had, and that's some mm. tomatoes, some cherry tomatoes, mm. um, and it's completely changed. Now I have this idea that, and it's true. What, why should, why is a croissant more of a breakfast food than a than a tomato? Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, silly. It's, it's just a way of program, right? I yeah, mean, well, it's the thing. People just have these <laughs> these kind of uh, yeah. It's it's just it's just in it's just programmed in. Like I was speaking the other night, and um, I finished this talk and the girl put her hand up and was like what about eating late you talked about kind of putting foods in to help you sleep you know shouldn't you eat past six o'clock and then that's one of those yeah. that's just one of those like old mother's tales and I kind of was like well if you put a meal down at 5.59 yeah. and then you put a meal down at 6pm and they're the yeah. same you know yeah. what changes and and you know it's one of those things where you need to find out what works well for your body but in essence if you've moved those kind of foods in at the start of the day I find they're useful because they they stabilise your blood sugar and you know you're not getting this quick release and you can kind of eat and if you are I don't know needing to work or train a little bit later you feel you feel kind of full you feel satiated and then like you said as well because we'll get into your training plan in a minute but I assume you're putting a lot of uh, time on your feet and training so those foods are often higher in calorie anyway which yeah. you need because you're expending a lot yeah so it, it you know it all makes sense but then it's like how do you practically deliver that but actually these foods that you've talked about they're very portable you know yeah. the salmon avocados the nuts olives okay artichokes maybe a little bit more you can get them kind of pickled or yeah. you can cook them but then these things are readily available and you can take them with you in your bag and yeah. stuff yeah and that and that's what i love and i and a lot of these foods i I, I not push towards clients, but then I talk to them about having loads of snack foods because people can dive in and out of places and grab them. Yeah. And then and it just it just those little things make a massive difference. Just changing one meal in the day I, is uh, very interesting. On the portable thing, I mean, I I did the Brighton Marathon about three weeks back, and on the way to the race, this is this is properly crazy. I you know I I sort of peeled an avocado with my teeth. And I basically ate it like an apple on the mm. way to the race, you know, when other people are, are eating bananas, which is, you know, you, you can do it. It's, I think the, one of the hard things is, you know, being out and about, sticking to an approach like this can get tricky if you're sort of hitting high street sort of food outlets. Mm. Um, so, you know, there is a bit of an onus on you to, to do a bit of meal prep, but I, I think it's... You know, other things I've, I've just discovered, lots and lots and lots of different kinds of, and, and salad I think gets a bad rep. People look at salad and go, think it's like some leaves. And, you know, actually what I mean by that, it's a, it's some, it's a lot of, I put an enormous amount of different sort of vegetables together in, a, in, in bowls with different flavours and, you know, and get creative with that, different oils, different, mm. and make tasty food that's varied. And it's not just some lettuce leaves and, and, mm. a, and a bit of cucumber that I think most people think of as salads. And it's very filling. And I, I, that afternoon, mid-afternoon slump that I used to get when I was having normal, what I'd call normal breakfast and maybe a sandwich for lunch, mm. it doesn't exist for me anymore. Mm. And people have also said, if you're the way you're eating, do you not hungry by you know you're not always hungry in the afternoon? I, my hunger is 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 far less that feeling of sort of hunger that you I I think you actually get if you have 
um, maybe a sandwich for lunch that a couple of hours later you sort of feel a little bit more hungry. Mm. I don't really have that same thing anymore. Mm. It's far more even, as you said. It's um, And that definitely supports my training because there's nothing worse than feeling really hungry and thinking, well, actually, I've only got an hour now and I've got to go and do my run now whilst I'm really hungry. Mm. Um, no, so you're always sort of ready to get out and train. So Yeah, the pro, like, and especially with people that are listening to this, if they do want to make a little bit of a change and they are feeling... Like they are hungry all the time. You might only be a, a couple of portions of protein or a portion of fat away from, you know, feeling fuller. Mm-hmm. And that would be, you know, an, an easy an easy thing for a portion of protein would be, you know, 100 to 120 grams of, you know, meat or fish or a couple of boiled eggs or something like that. And then most people, for a portion of fat, I say, you know, like a medium avocado, handful of olives, closed handful of nuts. Um, you know 15 grams of cheese or something like that and it's just it's just simple to pick some of those foods up on the go and you'll see you will see a difference um, and, it, and, it, and it is interesting but then it's one of those things where especially if you are training like 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 Kieran does it's it's taking your time to let your body adapt to, to using those foods as fuel as well so it's not like he's just gone and taken the cereal out and added the avocado and started doing the running it's yeah you have to build that up yeah. and then also we'll go into it in a sec but he's probably someone who knows when his performances are at a certain time of the year and then before that plans where he needs to be in terms of his weight and then in terms of his um you know his nutrition so some people come to me this time of year and they're like i'm running in a month or two months i want to drop a few kilos but then it's almost too late Mm. so if you really want to i suppose like promote good performance health and recovery it's those months that people just generally wrap on between september and january where they just like comfort eat and, and chill and then they start to get on their feet february march april and then they're like oh i need to drop a bit of body fat so they then try and pull some calories away and it's all just a bit of a mess so then if you put that good work in at that time of the year and then you're happy with where your weight is for example or your body composition then you can move foods in and out to fuel yeah so it'd be interesting so did you in this process of uh, for this for this run and you tried to drop weight when did you kind of start to think about wanting to do that or are you someone who you have other multiple challenges going on but you know what what how did you set it up to try to fuel enough before the race and still not try to lose body fat because as you know you need to be obviously in that deficit yeah um, of energy to try and take body fat off but then you need to be fueled to then run and that's what people always ask me yeah how do you do both and then i'm like well you should do one or the other and just periodize your year figure that out and and it is and i, I guess i i will work in cycles on this definitely and then within within those sort of training cycles for an event I mean I'm always at a level of I guess always at a level of fitness I'm always sort of training generally really but then I get I kind of flip into sort of slightly more serious mode and I will have training cycles so for the, the sub three that I've just tried to do um, in Hamburg just gone I it was kind of like a six month training period really with probably a more intense kind of um, three to four months after after January. So the first sort of period was a bit more kind of building base. And then the last four months, very, very seriously looking at, at, at my nutrition um, and the nutrition to, to support the training. And it's absolutely all about the body composition rather than necessarily just losing weight. And you know, I want to, I actually, I want to keep, when I step on the scales, I want to see more weight. I just want more, more, lean mass basically mm. and and lower body fat mm. um and yeah all, all the way through this it's a, they're a calibration so i've i work with somebody who will 
I do regular body fat tests, caliper tests, and they can, you know, they'll give me advice on whether or not I now is time to maybe introduce a few more kind of carbs mm-hmm. at the right time um, when I've hit certain stages. So let's say if I he, uh, if I drop below uh, 13% body fat, and you know, some people, I guess, will have different methods of this, but drop below 13% body now. He's like, well, now it's time we can start to introduce a few more carbs to support your training because the training is going to shift to something that's um, maybe going to be a little bit more um, intensive. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly tweaking my nutrition to support my training. Mm. And I think this is another really interesting thing that was an eye-opener for me. You, it's easy to think, well, I, I do, I'll do this thing and there's a, there's, a, there's a template. I'll just follow that template that I've got at the start and it will be the same all the way through to the finish. Mm. And it's not. You, you change week to week, month to month. You know, in an ideal world, you'd probably be having a test done every morning, you know, or you'd have a way of assessing and seeing where you're at right now because it's you you on January the first is not the same as you on January the 9th, depending on what you've done in between and how you've trained and you know whether you've got a cold or all those things are all coming into play. So, you know, it's about it is about being. I find it's best. You know, you've got to be a, a, adaptable and flexible and you've got to be giving your body the fuel it needs at the right time. Mm. Um, mm. And that goes down to, you know, even right up to the race day morning. So my approach before the marathon I've just done, I depleted car- carbs entirely for sort of two days before. And then on the Saturday before the race, I added some um, to my lunch and then I added you know, a decent portion to my dinner. And then on the, on the morning I had a, another small portion. But mm. what I didn't do was what a lot of people do is go and have an awful lot of you know carbs the night before. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely periodized. And my my training as well, sort of if you talk about what I do, my running and my strength training are also periodized in that way. So I'll I'll do essentially in, in short, it's a, a, a set of base training that builds up my running and my gym strength in the right places so that I can then move on to doing a set of exercises that are going to be a, put a lot more kind of strain on the body it, essentially the foundation so that I can go and lift heavier mm. and doing weighted squats and um, you know bench presses and things that you know running specific um, exercises but if I haven't done that first phase right the second phase suffers I have to be able to get out of the mm. first phase with enough strength in the right places mm. to move on to that mm. um, and I think that's important. And we did like the previous episode. I had um, chaps Scott on, and, and we talked about uh, strength training for cyclists off the bike. And I think it's good that you're talking about strength training because you know running distance and the amount of races and things that you've done. If you're not strong, yeah. then you you know you are. I I think that you know your body and things are going to break down, and it's important. And it's good to see that you're you and your coach are valuing that because obviously people just add running sessions and I did that last year when I first started to get into this right I'm not playing rugby anymore not doing crossfit I'm going to start to try to run more and I was just running more running more running more and then I was taking muscle off me and my body was just a bit like what are you doing you're not meant to be this lean or this you know you're four or five running sessions a week and I really suffered so now I'm at a point where I obviously don't do anywhere near the amount of running as you do but a few targeted running sessions a week and then I keep the strength stuff in and I feel good and I can still push the distance and I think for me it's that having that ability to be strong and be robust is is um really important but yeah you want those you want those running sessions that you're doing to be high quality and you want them to mm. be you know super targeted whether they're a, you know a speed session 
or you're, you're doing something that's going to build up a bit more endurance. And that's another thing that changed, you know, with, with the guy that I've been working with. Probably when I when I started to get serious about trying to perform in my running rather than just sort of go out and get and finish the distance, he I, I turned up and I I thought I was I'd just done um, a challenge to do a half marathon every day in December. Hmm. And I think it was like 2013. And I went into this for a test with these guys through work. And I thought I was going to get come out with a glowing report. They're going to say, you know, these, you're you're the absolute specimen of, you know, a fit runner. You're amazing. You know, we've not had a guy in here who's in such good shape. And actually, I did an oxygen exchange um, test. And I came out with, sat me down and he's like, you know, okay, you can you can run, but you've basically got the, the metabolic profile of an obese 50-year-old man. Mm. I was switching over from burning fat to burning uh, carbohydrates, carbohydrates yeah. at like 70 or 80 beats per minute. So walking around London, being mm. alive, yeah. I was just burning carbs. So he's like, you're, you're running too much. Mm. You're running too much at too high intensity all the time. Mm. So I was going out and sma- you know, smashing runs. all the- So he flipped it. He's like, come in. What we need to do is get you, you know, you need to build the engine or you need to build and basically flip me to doing full strength sessions a week and reducing my running still doing you know high intensity running you know and some longer runs but fewer running sessions and better more strength training mm. so if we explore that just quickly for listeners basically i actually went through something very similar and i went down and, and did one of these tests where you run on a treadmill and it, it basically measures you know the carbon dioxide and the oxygen and, yeah. you, and you kind of again i was it was a ramp test and i did well, 30 odd minutes um, and I felt really good and I was sprinting and I got off and the, and the, the lab kind of technician at the time, she's a friend, great nutritionist actually, called Jasmine. I was like, yeah. And then she turned around and said, similar to you, you know, you moved from burning uh, fats, you know, um, so taking out fat from, from you know, uh, stores and moving it into your muscles for energy, as people know, you know, around the two minute mark or something. And I ran for 35 minutes or something like that. And I was like, why is that? I feel really fit and I feel really good. But I was doing four or five days a week of CrossFit and, and getting on and off the floor, burpees and all that. And my body was just so used to switching into like, right, you're moving quick, you need yeah. carbohydrates. So you need to pull out fuel from your muscles and from your liver. So I had that same epiphany and I and I slowed things down. I did more low and slow sessions over time where I was literally bimbling and uh, I just thought this is ridiculous but yeah. then you get used to it podcasts in yeah. you do your little bimble and stuff and then you do your strength training and then that's where Sydney or I adapted breakfasts did a little bit of intermittent fasting and then whereas now I can I feel like you know that I've pushed that up a bit so I have a certain heart rate zone for example where I know that if I can tick along in that yeah I'm feeling good. I'm consistent. I can fuel with fats, or sometimes I can fuel unless it's under an hour and twenty with nothing. Yeah. Whereas before, I would have had to dive into the sugars, or like you said, I'd have been training, 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 and then you just you're you're not really creating an an, an efficient I don't know progression or something like that. So I think it's people might want to know how you know where to do this, but I don't think that you don't necessarily need to dive as deep. I think it's one of these things where don't don't discount the low and slow sessions yeah, and especially absolutely. with one of the chaps really good coach that i do some of the north face stuff with ed he, he's a huge fan of the low intensity and then when similar to what kira is saying when you're really working hard you're working hard but that bit in the middle 
it's no man's land really yeah. and then people find themselves in there for four or five days a week so it's like you're either you know ticking along low and slow and doing a lot of your um, specific work or you know when you're really moving and you're doing your speed sessions you're doing your strength sessions you're working hard so that ability to move into burning carbohydrates and moving into fat is that holy grail of metabolic flexibility that's the term so as a sports nutritionist i learned about that at university and then i worked with professional rugby players trying to put that into practice and then with with now regular individuals and people that you know work for a living and run and train it's like how do you figure that one out and it is really just switching in and out of foods like you said breakfast and lunch and things and then just looking at intensity and it's simple people always have phones or wearables on them now that there's there's heart rate monitors that are easy to get and you can be technical about it as well which you'll probably be able to give us more advice on that because you're you will move into the tech kit in a minute but yeah that that is uh that was a real eye-opener for me and it's cool that you've gone through that as well and um it really works it's quite hard to do you know it's it's very hard to go out on a sunday and know that you you know even the pace that you go and run that that slow is it feels slightly alien and you know the inclination is always to i think you always sort of end up if you if you sort of close your eyes and run along you tick along at a certain pace that's your natural pace and and pulling back from that can feel a little bit unnatural Mm. but and also the idea that you've then maybe got to spend even a little bit longer out doing the distance you might be doing Mm. but the benefits of doing that i you know it changed it totally transformed my running i got i got quicker um i i have you know going back to the fueling when you're in a race if you're able to you know use fats rather than having to reach for gels all the time mm. and I then wasn't having to have seven gels in a marathon which you know essentially make me feel a little bit sick because of mm. there's just too many gels you know mm. um, and then when you flip into the ultra side of things that becomes a really big factor because as I said you know eat, getting your eating right for ultras is mm. is as hard I think as as being able to cover the distance mm. well let's move into that because obviously not everyone that listens runs long distance yeah. but people do walk and especially this time of year people are outside more so it's like if they are going to have a day on their feet day on the beach or people that are listening doing the ironmans and doing the ultras you know it's cool to get your perspective on what you've tinkered with some of the some of the foods and some of the kind of like portables that you can buy that you've reviewed and then also now where you've settled i know it's a dynamic process yeah but like with, I don't know, let's just take the, the not not the Lavaredo, let's just maybe take something else that, I don't know, is there a longer one you've done in the UK that people can kind of understand a bit about the terrain and then what, when you added the foods and things, because often if we talk about somewhere in Italy, people can't really yeah. envisage it. They're like, oh, that sounds a bit like yeah, mad. It, 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 and it is, is mad. <laughs> but like, but like, you know, how, I don't know, if people went down to, you know, to, or up to the peaks or down to, you know, like uh, Dartmoor or something like that, you know, that people can understand those, those areas. I suppose and, uh, I, I guess the, the one that I've done I, I seem to a lot of my ultras have ended up being along the Thames actually so if you think about it you know it's nice and flat you run along the river it's, it's some of it's a little bit sort of traily but it's there are no you know huge hills and I've done 100ks along there from some from sort of Richmond and out you sort of go out towards Oxford and then I've done the hunt my first 100 miler was that way as well um so you know and you see a lot of walkers and it's a it's a nice place it's actually a beautiful place to go and I will go back and do it walking rather than running at some point and I've I've tried all sorts you know in the early days I would have I'd, it'd all be sort of gels and um, what you realize is after seven hours of taking gels you can't take any more gels because mm. the taste that the sort of the sweetness and 
the, the sort of sickliness gets to you. So you have to look for other things. And that's actually a real thing, people. Like you can get that that palate fatigue, yeah. and you can get that kind of oh, I've eaten too much of one thing, or consistency or something like that. It's yeah. the bizarre, most bizarre thing. Even drinking water, and then you get the taste of the bottle. Yeah, because you, she's running for so like how long did the hundred mile take? So it took me twenty seven that was twenty seven hours. So again, you you know you're running through the night. So you've got if you think about how many meals you've got to, to factor in there that mm. you're going to sort of be replacing when you're burning more energy. Mm. And well, how many calories you burned? Did you track that? I, I do you know what I did, but I can't <laughs> remember now. It's something it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was absolutely ridiculous. The, and the number of steps that we covered, it was. Oh it god, was yeah, silly. the steps. Because what is? Because <laughs> what's a marathon? Around fit like fifty-five thousand, something like yeah. that. Fifty-six thousand. Yeah. So yeah, doing your hundred miler must have been uh, yeah big. It was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never beat that. Yeah, I'll never top that. I'll let you crack. Yeah, carry on. So what did you what did you use kind of on the but, day? So I, I use a, I use a mix. Like I have a I have um, some some fuel that I put into a bottle and mix with water and there's something called Generation U can and I don't entirely understand the science of it but it's like a complex starch so the idea is it's supposed to be a little bit more even fueling and you can the good thing is you can sip it it's got some um, sort of isotonics and what have you so it covers off some of the salts that you might be losing whilst you're sweating if it's if it's warmer so you're doing two things at once and it's you know sipping that mm. you know every every 10-15 minutes you have a little sip but then, really, with ultras, you get into the world of, you know, you need to, you're going to need to eat solids to replace calories. And I, there are, there are lots of different schools of thought. People, people tend to get, they find things that work for them and then they eat them. You know, and, that, and I've seen that be as varied mm. as sausage rolls through to, you know, there's aid stations along the way. So every 10 kilometers, there's an aid station that has food on it. Mm. I've seen people eat sausage rolls, pies. Mm. Um, one man stopped and got himself a 99 with a flake from an ice cream van. <laughs> I've got mine here. So I'm, I make these um, pancakes out of bananas, oats and eggs. Nice. And these are the things that, and I keep them in my bag and stuff yeah. and snack on them through the day because I use them when I'm running more distance. And yeah. then that's one of those things where I'll keep my gut getting used to them. So, so know, I'm chucking those in. So this, so this, for example, I'll give you some afterwards. But that, you know, that is, is for me, that real food part of it. And yeah. I've got the banana ratio right so that it's a little bit more... I can just seem to swallow large amounts and yeah. it's just whereas before it was one banana and it was more eggs and oats and it was I was having to chew it so now I can kind of yeah. and it's practicing there's another one that's a date uh, cranberry and um, like uh, whatever nut I've got little kind of frozen bar thing as well and that yeah. can go in so but again like you said it's an intensity and it's it's kind of practicing eating it and I just have these in my bag around London and between meetings and clients and stuff like that I snack on them just to keep my so body getting used to it. It's recognise it, you know. I, and then there's there's you know, there's all kinds of other practical things about the food as well when you're on these. Just like things that are going to not only be portable but aren't going to sweat and get nasty. They're easy to get out and not covered. You, know, you don't want to get too your fingers to be too sticky and all those things. Mm. But I've and I've I tend to now I've got to a point where I I've worked out I dates. I'll take little um, food bags with you know, handfuls of dates and. They're sweet, but they're not that kind of, they're not Haribo artificial sugary sweet. Mm. So I can have one of those every now and again. Watermelon is my... Yeah, I saw that on your site. Yeah, that was interesting because people wouldn't really... It's hard. That's, it's, that's, you Do you have carry to, that? You have to have a, like, my crew, like I have my family will come and stop at different aid stations for oh, me. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, so they, they went and raided M&S for, for, for watermelon or whatever, but that's hard to carry. You could have a little pot. But that, 
the, the brilliant thing about it is it's, it's obviously got lots of water in it, mm. but it dissolves really easy. It's really, you know, on your stomach, it's so easy. It just disappears mm. and it's refreshing. Mm. It's sweet and refreshing rather than sweet and cloying and and it doesn't stay with you. It's You eat it and it's gone. So there's no lingering. Mm. So I, I love watermelon for that's, a little bit of a... That's really good one, actually. Bit of a hit. Yeah. Um, and the nature of those, those races, there's going to be aid stations. So if people haven't done things like that before... You obviously don't crack the 27 hours straight up, so you stop. Yeah. If family or crew, like like Kieran said, there's some people are there, especially with people, uh, you know, like like Kieran that are doing it and, and trying to do it in a good time. Everything's very organised, yeah. so you know they'll have things there waiting. So it isn't just cuffed like some people might crack an ice cream, but really, yeah. <laughs> like you said, it's it's that mixture of putting in the fuel, but then also when you get used to something like a watermelon, it's actually huge for morale. Yeah. And in those races, like, you know. More more than me because I've only you know I've, I've I've only run like a quarter of that distance, but you get to somewhere and you eat something and it gives you not just the boost in energy but also mentally you're like yeah, yeah this is fantastic like let's move in and let's carry on and things like that so no that's really good so dates watermelon um, and then you have your mixture of a drink so I suppose yeah for people to try to understand that a little bit more. Your muscles and your liver store t- two different types of sugars. So glucose goes into your muscles and you have like between three and 500 grams, depending on the person. So, um, you know, a larger, mo- more muscular male might have a larger muscle glycogen, which is the form of glucose that you store in their body compared to like a smaller, leaner female, for example. So some of these drinks are very smart because they have fructose and glucose in them. So the fructose gets stored in the liver and then you can pull both out out and it's a multiple transporter system so to then fuel your muscles because they found that studied people and filled them with glucose and our bodies can only absorb and use a certain amount per minute so they were fueling people and thinking right how much glucose can we get in how much are they using and there's a saturation point and then you know real smart guy i think it was like luke van loon or something maybe in the late 90s or early 2000s started adding fructose in as well because they knew you know they're stored in different places so you're your drink does that so when you when you can't get enough glucose the fructose comes in as well and then with the combination of the salts that specific product which that'll be in your blog won't it people can look it up yeah 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 those things work really really well and it's just smarter so if you're someone who is thinking about how to find a bit more of an edge don't just like like kieran was saying don't just eat a a haribo or like something that's just one you know one form of refined sugar mix it up find the fructose and the fructose is also in the dates yeah so you're doing that i know you know that but the other people don't so it's like mixing fruit sugar with glucose with salts yeah perfect and i guess another i found a a really nice gel called 33 shake um and they do they're all natural gels so they're little packets that you put water in to hydrate but they've got um chia seeds Himalayan pink salt and, mm. and various other sort of natural ingredients and they again they, they just don't taste they're the opposite to that sort of slightly chemical gel taste that you get and they're they're really nice you know I, I the thing that I've discovered is that I work best with the, the foods that taste a little bit more natural mm. so I think on ultras you can go longer with those they they don't stay with you as long um, I will also I'll take you know when I when you do you in each of these you'll stop and have a period where you'll sit down for half an hour and actually take on board some some more kind of serious foods and in that point 33 shake they also do um 
sort of post-workout shakes. Mm. So they've got more things in like uh, they have nuts and other seeds and and I, I'll have those in a drink maybe with a bit of protein powder mm. um, from like a pea protein or something to, again, I, tr- I try not to put loads of too solid you know, heavy food into my stomach mm. in the middle of a hundred miler when you're sat down at the 50 mile mark. Mm. If you've had toast and baked beans, I, I personally find it quite hard then to get moving again mm. with that in your stomach. So I try and have things that are going to get into the, be absorbed quickly and, and not leave a sort of heaviness. And, mm. um, and then try and vary it up as much as possible. You, I carry little. Um, I've got a 2.8 year old son, mm. and uh, I've adopted some of his foods for mm. my own for training. So there's little fruit pouches, mm. um, pureed fruit essentially, but also they do you know pureed veg and fruit. So I I would use some of those in the middle of a race as well. Some mm. of them I'll carry, and again just to vary. Just to vary up the tastes, actually, mm. you know, if you, if you just keep eating the dates or you just keep doing the 33 shakes, after a while you get yeah. the, the taste fatigue. So to have these little moments where it's like, well, now now I'm going to have a, a fruit pouch and then in, in an hour's time, then I have the dates and then I have the 33 shake and then I have maybe a normal gel and, yeah. and, and, and you know, keep moving Move through it around. For, for... No, that's good. I did a, um, when I did a, I did this thing called Man vs. Lakes last year and that was good. So that was an obstacle course marathon and I was using... Uh, Ella's Kitchen yeah. banana baby food yeah. and that just uh, yeah and then I think I, I, I personally then went I went too early with solids in that in that race and luckily there was you know aid stations with toilets so I kind of like got everything out <laughs> and then carried on and then I realised similar to you it's like I need something that's going to slip down and more you know heart not quite liquid but yeah. still that kind of thing yeah. rather than I was putting in some of the chocolates and some of the other thing it was just too too much and I was just storing too much fluid and getting too cramped so um, yeah that's that's really interesting mix and yeah the baby food goes a long way someone should jump on that and I just changed the packaging put yeah. it out there as yeah put yeah. it in a different colour it, I, I, it's really worked for me they're, they're do you super... have your own bottles then sorry to cut in do you, do you buy those because people ask me a lot about that like how do you store things and do things do you buy these little pouches and you put your mixes in or how does it all go for my drink yeah for your races yeah, yeah, what do you wear I, I'll carry I'll carry two I've got a running vest if they call it so it's like a little it's like basically like a little rucksack but in the shape of a vest and it has um, holsters mm. that carry bottles on the front and I've got a couple of different types. Depends on how far I'm I'm, I'm running. So sometimes I'll have, a, and I've got a, another belt that will take a 650 mil um, drinks bottle. Oh, that's good. So that's where I'll have my my UCAN um, in there, and then on the front I'll have other small bottles f- for water. Mm. And you know that's another really important thing you that I've learned over the time. You've all of your food, you have to have it where it's. It's so easy to get to. Mm. The, the strangest things happen. You know, you've got if you have food in in the backpack on your on your back you can know that you need to eat and you can be telling yourself i need to eat i need to eat i need to eat i need to eat because it's on your back you won't stop Mm. your brain after on 70 miles it just goes so unless it's where you can just unzip something that's right there and eat it you tend to to, you know these things become big barriers um Mm. so i have it in places where i can i can make it very easy easily accessible and on ultras you know those bottles are always I'm always carrying one or two bottles that have probably got roughly about a litre's worth of liquids in them. Mm. Um, and do you track how much you drink per hour? Because people always ask me about that as well. But then again, obviously, people sweat at different rates. Yeah. So an easy thing to do here, if you're listening, is um, weigh yourself in and out of workouts or runs. Yeah. Very simple, I tell people. And then obviously, if it's acute, 
hydrate back, you know how, so if I'm 90 kilos, I get off at 89, so I get back on the scales at 89, so I'll drink about a litre, 1.2, so about, you know, 100 to 120% with foods and salts and everything, but then if obviously you know that you're, oh God, any, you know, there's, people can sweat from a couple of hundred millilitres to, in some conditions, I assume, in some of these desert marathons, people could put out almost three litres of an hour of sweat that yeah. seems to be the maximum rate so it's understanding that for you and then obviously Kieran who's very experienced I assume you must tailor that and then you roughly kind of know right watch beeps or I'm going to sip that thing every minute and it's going to take me to 500 mils per hour or yeah is that yeah. is that a thing yeah on the watch as much as you can as I can I have little reminders set so you know every every 10 minutes five ten minutes maybe have a have a a sip and then into, in, I kind of alternate between having a sip of clean water and having a sip of my sort of um, my you can drink and again that's just to, to, to avoid the sort of fatigue of taste you don't want to mm. be drinking and that's it's vital you I'll be honest you know that's the dream you do it and then as you get deeper into the race it gets harder to stick to that and be disciplined but yeah, if you bad. can be disciplined that's that's it's really magic you know dehydration is the, is the worst possible thing because it, it not only affects obviously your ability to perform but it affects how the food goes in mm. and everything you know how your stomach feels mm. my one of my big enemies in all of these races whether it's a marathon or an ultra is if my stomach goes and I start to feel nauseous mm. it, it, it will destroy a performance you can't it will make a, a race feel very long because you that, that sort of ongoing discomfort you, you're not really sure what to eat and mm. your stomach's not accepting anything and you know you need to eat and it, it just mentally it plays with you in the wrong way so mm. you know, staying hydrated keeping those things going in evenly is, is, is really important to avoid that as well so will you take extra um pouches and then like obviously put that together again at an aid station or i know there's like um spoken to a really good runner and cool guy like tom evans and he and he with his longer races and especially his great performance at marathon de Saab, he would have these little effervescent tablets yeah. and on the way to an aid station he'd finish his bottle effervescent tablet yeah. would go in water would go in but obviously because he's looking to win these races he doesn't really hang around so yeah. he's like in and out but then yeah. you can still the regular person could still have some spare yeah do you take spare uh, i don't know like uh, pouches of stuff and then and then do it again absolutely yeah so along the way i will i will have I've, i bought myself because I, I did the mds i bought a vacuum all oh, uh, right you've done that as well yeah, I, I, bought, I, I bought a vacuum god we need to have another podcast <laughs> to go through that wow a, a vacuum sealer you know for like a sous vide machine you know the cooking water bath stuff so i bought that and i will i'll pack up pouches that i collect at each aid station and i carry them in my bag and as and when i need them i'll top up my bottles mm. and actually you know with tom you know, if you're if you're out there and you're, you're racing to win you know, you've, you're also going to be flying through the aid stations. For somebody like me, I'm racing against myself to do a good time. I, mm. I, I can take a little bit more time to cut the pouches open, refill mm. the bottles. Mm. And, uh, and and that practicality, you know, you, it's, it's it's important to take the time to, to do it to make sure you're carrying the fuel. And I, I'll, I'll even, you know, I mentioned earlier having the food in the right places on you. Mm. At, at those points where I stop to refill my bottle, I'll also take the... the the food I put them in sort of um, Ziploc bags mm. for each section of the race that I need to run, you know, run, and I'll move them to the front pouch mm. so that between you know 50 and 60, that pouch is now in the front where I can access all the food that I need for that race. It's all you know. It's also a good reminder when you go back in there that if you've got things left that you haven't eaten, that you need to eat them. Yeah, that's it. Forget to eat. Yeah, because you're a bit delirious things like that. So I suppose 
Yeah, because because we've chucked in quite a lot of information, and we should we should wrap things up in a minute or so. What's your yeah What's your go to then at the moment in terms of your your gear? Obviously, we've gone through the uh, some of the foods and some of the powders and things like that. So yeah, and yeah, for you, for these longer races or for your running or for your you know your, your marathon most recently, like what are you what are you kitted out in? What what trainers are you wearing? I know that's quite a cool cool area for you because you review things and then you know you must have tried a ton of companies and stuff like that i've tried all sorts of shoes and i do i do running shoe reviews the, I, the race i just ran i actually wore, wore a pair of um nike um zoom Vaporfly elites so the breaking two project where the guys you know the three elite athletes tried to run a sub two hour marathon for the first time they went and ran it around the racetrack in monza was all set up by, by nike as a as a project the shoes that they wore were made specifically for their feet and nike gave me a pair of the the elite shoes which aren't really for sale last year and so this year i've been trying to beat all of my pbs wearing those shoes they're super light they've got mm. a they've got a, a kind of sort of speed board in the middle which adds kind of um uh, energy return and they're they've got this sort of mad shape to them so those those i wore for the first time in anger at the hamburg marathon a couple of weeks back and they were they were brilliant. They ran really well. I didn't quite do them justice, but mm. um, you know, to be to be able to wear a pair of shoes that only elites Imagine. are really running yeah. in is is a bit of a treat. Wow. You know? but, like Kip Chogi's running in there. Yeah, that's, that's okay. You, you when you get to the you know they're supposed to be they're supposed to be for people running quick. So I ran I ran well in them for half the race, and then for one reason or another my race didn't go quite according to plan. Mm. And then the second half was quite difficult in them because you're if you're if you're dropping back on your heels a bit, these shoes are designed for you to be up on your toes and moving fast. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And then what about the off-road? Like uh, when you're doing stuff not on, um, you know, regular road tarmac and stuff. Like what are your go-to's? Because I assume you do. You still train on trails and maybe not yeah. as much because you were training for a road marathon. Yeah. But in the past, I will. I I love Innovate as a as a, a, a sort of shoe brand. I you know I've used their shoes in the desert for the M, for the marathon to Saab. I wore. Um, innovate um race shoes i didn't get a single blister mm. which is the one thing you know if you google marathon to start blisters you'll see oh. <laughs> you'll get a shot oh. but, yeah. <laughs> and i you know did not get a blister was amazing um and i've used them again in the lavaredo i just think they're, they're they're nice and solid but they're quite light you know they're good they're a good crossover sort of between trail shoes that are hard wearing and, and rugged but also light and fast so mm. um and then all sorts of tech, you know, I've seen, I've seen some brilliant, my, my go-to kind of running watch is a Polar um, M430, mm. just because it's super simple to use, um, it's not too complicated and the battery lasts nicely, um, but yeah, I'm banging to my tech, but that's maybe for, for another. Yeah, yeah, but then also, you know, people, people can get on over and I'll put everything in the show notes in terms yeah. of what, what you do and review and then people can hopefully delve in because it's. It's so good now that people like yourself can share your experiences and reviews, and and you know have, uh, have people have great content at their fingertips, and 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 it's and you know it's fab, so they can kind of educate themselves or take take this information and go a little bit further. Yeah. Um, if, if anybody you know head over, I'm I'm obviously on Instagram and those places. So for details, I'm I'm always open to sort of answering people's questions. If they if you have something specific you want to ask me about running tech or just my experiences I'm, I'm always happy to answer so mm. and then I suppose yeah to finish if because of your wealth of experience if people are looking to do uh, running races so on road off road or if there's anything that they'd quite like to coincide with a bit of a holiday what and and run you know outside of the UK what do you, what are your kind of tips or go-to's or what do you like the look of or 
Because yeah. I know you're constantly reviewing or thinking about things or where have you had your best experiences that you could recommend for people? Barcelona's a brilliant weekend. It's a brilliant marathon. You know, the city's great. It's great for sort of going and running along the seafront and get a bit of beach. The city life's great, but the actual race is, is really well organised and a, and, a, and a lovely run as well. Um, Hamburg surprised me. That's, a, again, a lovely, lovely city, an hour and a half flight not too expensive mm. um, if you don't get into London and you want to train for a spring marathon that's a good place to go and it, it's a brilliant kind of city break in itself um, I've done a, my one of my favorite all-time races was I did a I did a marathon called the Lewa marathon that's L-E-W-A in Kenya and wow. you, you run around a, a wildlife reserve so they send helicopters up move the rhinos and the lions and then you go and run around the wildlife reserve. Move the rhinos and the lions. And you know, and it's in a, it's in this wildlife, and you stay in the wildlife reserve. So if you ever wanted to go and if you've ever wanted to do a safari, this is a brilliant excuse to go and, and do run. it. It's a, it's a brilliant place to say it's not, wow. it's not cheap, but it was, it was, yeah. a, it was, a, it was a huge experience. So. Yeah, man, decent. And then, yeah, also in, in terms of people going onto your site, seeing how fantastic it is, and then you know reading about all these things you've done what have you got tips in terms of if people want to start to do the same thing you know not, not like build a following but just to just to write about their experiences or you know use the word blog or, or you know start an instagram page or things like that because i assume similar to your 10k to now all of your marathons you just got on with it like do you have a do you have a, a content calendar i know it's part of what you do work-wise yeah. but how do you how have you built that up in essence, you know, for the last kind of minute or two minutes it's, of the pod, have you got any tips? It's, it's kind of happened organically, and I, you know, the, the two things work really nicely together because I, I love having a challenge to, to keep me motivated, but the challenge also creates an opportunity for me to tell a story, which is my other passion as a, as a writer and a journalist. It's an excuse for me to, to follow that story through and, and, and cover it as I go. You know, and I think that you know the the best thing as I look at other people who are great at doing this, there's lots of people out there. They're all the ones who do it best of the people who are being really authentic you know be you know it's it's you and it's your personality and it's your it's the things that you experience in the mm. moment mm. i always think that the, the almost the person who's best to teach you about something you're about to do is the person who's only just done it so someone who's just done run their first mile ever is probably better equipped because they remember all of the things that are fresh than somebody maybe who's uh, who's just done, you know won the marathon de Sade about how to run a mile and so, you know, a lot of those people, if you're going to do this, just tell tell really good stories, tell, share your feelings. You know, the one, the posts that do best are the ones where I, I ex- explain how I'm feeling in the moment. Um, and I think, yeah, just uh, just don't be afraid to be creative um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and share the things that you learn. Because, you know, I, what I found is you can, you can think that everybody knows, everybody's already learn the things that you're just learning now but i don't think they have you know there's always people who are on that journey and somewhere in and about you so yeah um just just, just be just be honest and open yeah good so. maybe we'll finish that i love that quote is the best person to teach you is someone who has just you know finished or done the thing that's really good so hopefully people take that away so how can everyone find you i'll obviously put everything in the show notes but just you know give, give everyone your details and what you're doing and what you're excited about work-wise and all that jazz so I'm, I'm at Man V Miles on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Kieran Alger on Twitter. And my website is manvmiles.co.uk. Um, and for my next sort of project, I'm going to be trying to... I'm trying to beat all of my PBs this year using my special Magic Nike shoes. And my next race is a 10K 
um, around London, the Vitality 10,000, where I'm going to try and run a faster time than 38 minutes. So back in the gym, back mm. in the kitchen, and time to go again. Nice, amazing. Well, we'll definitely do this again. And then, yeah, as always, reach out and um, let us know what you liked. And uh, hopefully, you know, Q and I work quite close to each other so I can dive over and we can we can crack another pod if he's up for it but Definitely. yeah take it easy lovely people and share tell people about this episode as well because it's an absolute winner cheers